the word poplar, uh, punch in the information, and boom, somehow magically it works. So uh, you can do that. All right, John chapter 17. Going to be picking up in uh, verse 20 today. And uh, as I said, uh, actually, I guess two weeks ago now, uh, as um, we approached the Thanksgiving season uh, and uh, didn't really preach specifically uh, a Thanksgiving message, uh, but um, if I can tell you something uh, to be thankful for, uh, one of the greatest thoughts I can ever share with you uh, to, to be grateful, to be thankful for, uh, is that according to this, uh, here in the 17th chapter, uh, that as Christ walked towards Gethsemane, uh, headed towards what he knew uh, was going to be his arrest and his ultimate uh, crucifixion. Uh, he stopped on the way, or I, I'm going to assume he stopped. He may have uh, been walking and talking, but uh, along the way, just hours uh, from his arrest, uh, just hours from his own death, uh, he stopped and he prayed specifically for you. Uh, I, I can't think of a more beautiful thought, uh, something that uh, should make us more grateful uh, and more thankful uh, than that simple statement that uh, within just uh, a few hours uh, of his crucifixion, Christ, uh, his thoughts were on you and I. Uh, and, and when I say you and I, I, I mean you and I. Last week uh, we looked at he prayed for his, uh, his disciples uh, and how what he prayed for them came. Uh, carried over, the principles were uh, true, but uh, in these verses, he is specifically praying uh, for uh, the future church, uh, for you and I. He is looking through time, uh, and he is seeing us, uh, he is seeing uh, the, the New Testament church, he is seeing uh, believers even to today, uh, and praying uh, for our security, praying uh, for our well-being, praying uh, blessing things on us, uh, even uh, from the shadow uh, of the cross. And so uh, this morning as we dig in uh, to, uh, to what he said, uh, I think there are, uh, again, it's a great lesson, uh, I think, that kind of tells us about, uh, about how to pray. Uh, and uh, because, again, here he is hours from the cross, not praying for himself, but praying uh, for you and I. Uh, and then we see what he prayed for. Uh, for the church, uh, we uh, you know we have a lot of prayers. I hope uh, for our church. We pray uh, for our church. We pray for uh, the church as a whole. Uh, but as we look in these uh, six verses, seven verses, uh, we're going to see what Jesus, uh, what his concern was, what uh, his uh, faults were about. Uh, the church as we uh, as he was headed uh, for the cross and the first thing uh, that he does I think is especially uh, important and uh, and um, eye-opening for us uh, as he describes uh, who he's praying for uh, as he describes uh, the church the people uh, that he's praying for. And, and so, uh, you know, I, as we think about that for a moment, uh, you know, if, if I was to ask you today, uh, give a 
definition uh, of a church member. Well, what does a church member define a uh, church member? Uh, or more specifically, uh, define a Christian. What, what, is, a, uh, what is a definition uh, or description uh, of a Christian? And Jesus uh, here gives us his uh, description uh, beginning uh, in verse 20, when he tells us there uh, that I pray not, he says, I pray not only for these, talking about uh, the, uh, the 11 uh, that were there, uh, pray not only for these, but also for all those uh, who believe in me through the Word. Uh, may, may they be one as you uh, and the Father and me uh, and I in you. Uh, and so he describes for us uh, what the people that he is praying for. Uh, he said, I'm not only praying for these, but I'm, I'm praying for those uh, who believe in me through the Word. He gives two characteristics here uh, of a believer. Uh, two characteristics of the people that he is uh, praying for. First of all, uh, he says of them, uh, he says, they are the ones uh, who believe uh, in me. Uh, they are the ones who believe in me in me. Uh, and so he begins by uh, really uh, narrowing the playing field. Uh, those who believe in me. You know, we, uh, so many times, a lot of people, if you go out and uh, those of you who were involved uh, in uh, the faith process uh, 10, 15 years ago, uh, remember that the question that we uh, asked to start the conversation was, in your personal opinion, what does a person have to do to go to heaven? Uh, and uh, one of the things that, uh, that we discovered in asking that question is, is there are a lot of answers. There are a lot of opinions uh, people have uh, about, uh, about, that, uh, about that question. They have uh, a lot of answers for that question. Uh, people have all kinds of ideas uh, about what it means uh, to be uh, a Christian, what it means to be a believer, what it means uh, to say I'm going to heaven. They, uh, you know, well, I go to church, I, uh, I give, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. You know, uh, there are all kinds of answers that people have uh, for that question, uh, maybe today. Uh, some of you uh, who are here, some of you who are uh, listening online, uh, how would you answer that question? What is a person, uh, what defines uh, a believer? What defines a Christian? What does it mean to say, I'm going to heaven? Well, uh, Jesus gives us one answer uh, in this verse when he says, it is those who believe in me, those who believe in Jesus Christ. And the word believe there uh, isn't just uh, uh, the idea that, you know, that I believe uh, that there's a light here shining in my eyes, uh, but it is uh, an acceptance. You know, we, it's not just uh, a, a mental belief that we believe that once upon a time uh, there was a man named Jesus, that there was a man uh, who walked the earth. There are a lot of people who believe that. Uh, there, there are uh, the Jehovah Witnesses believe that. They'll tell you, yeah, he was a good, good man, good teacher. That's not what he means uh, when he says believe. He means uh, that we have accepted him uh, and, and allow him uh, to be in control, allow him uh, to guide our life, serve him, worship him, love him. It is much more uh, than an intellectual uh, belief. And so uh, I challenge you this morning. Uh, on that definition, how would you uh, define a believer? When you, when I say to you, 
that Jesus Christ uh, prayed for the church, uh, today's church, the modern church. Uh, who was he praying for? Well, he said, I'm praying for those who believe in me. Not just, you know, not just those who are in church. Not just those who come to church. Not just those uh, who sit in church, who sing the songs, who uh, maybe even uh, hold an office, maybe uh, teach a class, maybe even stand in a pulpit, uh, run sound, uh, you know, serve as a deacon, uh, you know, whatever, sing in the choir, play an instrument, any of those things. That's not what he says. Uh, yeah, that, that's again. But truthfully, uh, in the world we live in today, that, that's by and large the definition uh, that most people have uh, of a of a follower of Christ. Somebody who is uh, involved in church, someone who goes to church, someone who works in the church, someone who has an office in the church. That those kind of things. But Christ says here that He is praying specifically uh, for those who believe in Him. But then He gives a second characteristic when He says, not only do they believe in Me, but He says, uh, verse 20 again, look what He says. He says, they believe in Me through the Word. They believe in Me through the Word. And so they not only believe in Him, uh, but they believe in the Word. They, they are obedient uh, to the Word to follow uh, Jesus Christ, to, to, to study His Word. How else do we know Christ? How else do we know of Him if we don't believe His Word? Now, I, I know maybe some of you here this morning, some of you online, uh, you may say, well, that goes without saying, doesn't it? Well, it does to me. Uh, but I'm shocked to read uh, many of the, uh, the, the surveys and research uh, that says there are people who say they are going to heaven when they die who do not believe in the Word of God. I don't get it. You know, it doesn't add up to me. It doesn't uh, make sense to me. Uh, th those two just don't seem uh, to go together. And so he says they believe in me and they believe my word. And so that's the description of who he's talking about. And then he moves on and begins to actually pray for these people. Look at his desire. What is Jesus' desire for that group of people? In verse 21, he says to us there, May they all be one. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, well, you talked about that last week. Okay, I did. So did Jesus. So we're going to talk about it again this week. He's praying again for the unity of the church. Now, I didn't really... I talked about it some last week, but I want to be a little more specific in talking about unity this week. As Jesus says here, I pray that they all be one. I think the operative word there, to be very honest with you, is the word all more than the word one. One is important, don't get me wrong, but I think the operative word that we really need to focus on that we tend to overlook in this passage is that little word all. See, here's, I think, the way generally uh, we interpret the idea of the church being in unity. We think of us being in unity. That here in our church, we have unity. 
that we are uh, that, that we are uh, that we all believe the same thing that we all you know we, we think of our church having unity. But is that what he said? He said that we all have unity. That we all have unity. All believers. I I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I made it through Greek and Hebrew, but uh, you know, by the, you can tell I'm not real good at English, let alone uh, you know, uh, Greek and Hebrew. But I know what the word all means. I know what the word all means in Russian. I know what the word all means in Chinese. I know what the word all means in Greek and Hebrew and English. I know what all means. It doesn't just mean that we have unity in our little circle, does it? Is that what Jesus was praying for? You look at it and you tell me. Is that what you think Jesus was praying for? No. He was praying for all believers to have unity. He was praying for all of us to be together. Not just the group of believers at 3476 Poplar Tent Road. He was praying that all believers would have unity. That we would be like-minded. That we would have the same idea, same, same purpose, same service. If you know anything about the church in 2020, you know that we all are not one. We're all not one. We have churches that, uh, with all kinds of uh, beliefs and ideas, uh, if you want to understand how ununified we are across the board as a church, you, I tell you what you do. You go out and, and let's say, let's plan for next fall, we're going to have a community Revival. And you go out and you start calling and you try to, try to organize that event. You call the Methodists and the Lutherans. Forget the Methodists and the Lutherans. Call some other Baptists and see how it works. Some of you will remember 20 years ago uh, we were going to have here in, uh, at the Canapolis in the old ballpark. It happened during uh, the 9-11 event because the guy that was going to preach couldn't get here. We were going to have a, 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 a part of the Billy Graham Association was going to send a speaker and have a, a revival here. I, I remember talking to one pastor, and he said, well, I ain't coming. They playing that crazy music. Yeah, that, that was his opinion. You know, we, we don't have, we, but Jesus prayed that the church would be unified. That the church would have unity. That we would set aside our differences. We would set aside uh, our, our pettiness and have, listen, that, uh, by unity, by being one, He doesn't mean we're all going to dress alike. We're all going to, you know, we're not, not going to all march in step. And we're not all going to like the same foods. And it doesn't mean that we're going to agree on 100% of everything. But it does mean that we would be one spiritually. 
That we would be one spiritually. That we would have the same goal, the same purpose. That we might go about it in some different ways, but we would have unity, praise, that we would be, uh, that we would be one. Uh, you know, listen, here's what I've observed. We can't even get most churches to have unity, let alone get the church to have unity. We, we, we struggle to even get one small group of believers on the same page, much less uh, the church as a whole. Again, this is spiritual unity I'm talking about. You know, I'm not talking about unity and agreement on every little thing. We're not all going to worship the same way. We're going to sing different music. We're going to wear different things. We're going we're to have different ideas about some of those things. But the fact is, what Jesus is talking about here is, is that we're going to be unified. Uh, we're going to have unity of purpose. That the world is lost and dying without Jesus Christ. And that we would get over our pettiness. While we argue about music, while we argue about Bible versions, while we argue about paint color and carpet color and chairs or pews, while we're arguing about the thermostat and where it's going to be set, people are dying and going to hell. That's what we're talking about here. That, that, that's the unity that we're talking about. You know, I, I, I was paying attention. I, I don't... I'm going there. I, I was watching today, and I, I've noticed this, but I was really paying particular attention this morning for some reason to sidewalks. Any of y'all ever pay attention to sidewalks? I didn't think so. I'm fixing to tell you something that... You, 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 know, you ever get a song stuck in your head and it just won't go away? Well, I, I, I might be telling you something here that's going to get stuck in your head like a bad song. I've been looking as, I, as we drove to church today, and I wish our government would get as excited about building smooth roads as they are about building sidewalks. I just could not get over this morning as we came to church the number of sidewalks that start nowhere and go nowhere. I, you know, they, they start in this field, and I, I was, I, this sounds, I'm going to tell you where one I noticed this morning. I wasn't there, we was riding by. The new big old ABC store up here on the, in the, that triangle. There's a sidewalk that starts over there in nowhere, goes all the way around it, and ends on the other side of it. I guess if you're drunk enough, you wouldn't notice. That's the only thing I can figure. Yeah. These big new intersections out here over the interstate where you drive on the wrong side of the road, there's sidewalks through the middle of them. Yeah. Again, I just could not get over the number of little pieces of sidewalk. Just boop. There's a piece of sidewalk. Doesn't connect to anything. You know, I, I, there's a sidewalk up there in front of the surgery center. And there's a set of steps that come down to it. Like somebody's going to drop somebody off for surgery out in the middle of that four-lane road and let them climb the steps or walk the sidewalk. 
And it goes nowhere. As foolish as that is, and you, you pay attention. I, I hate to put that bug in your head. You pay attention to how many sidewalks are out there that go nowhere. I've seen them in Canapolis tearing up old sidewalks and rebuilding them beside of a road that you could barely pass. Yeah, you couldn't hardly drive down it, but if you want to get out and walk, boy, you could do it and stop. It just seems to me like somewhere somebody isn't working together. Yeah, I, I may be wrong about that, but it just seems to me like somewhere there's a division of sidewalks and somewhere there's a division of roads and they don't ever talk. Because they build sidewalks where they need to build a road. It just don't make good sense. But you know what? As foolish as that is, I thought about that and I thought as I was writing on how much that resembles the typical church and the way we do things. We just fling up a sidewalk because everybody wants a sidewalk. I, I don't doubt there's some places they need sidewalks. Yeah. But in the church, we do things sometimes for no reason, it seems like. Or we do them because we've always done them. Yeah, well, and, and most people who, uh, most pastors, most people who are in leadership in churches are realizing that one of the great things that's coming out of COVID is it's going to kill a lot of those old things that we've done for years that don't make good sense. We need, but, but that, that's, yeah, we, 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 we need to be unified in thinking about the common purpose. You know, there's two things you've got to know if you're going to read a road map. You know what they are? Where you are is where you want to be. And I am greatly concerned that, generally speaking, the church of Jesus Christ isn't real sure about where she is and doesn't have a clue where she's going. We meet because we've always met. We do what we've always done. We sing because it's time to sing. We, we, we do things out of pure habit and routine without really having a goal or purpose in mind. Jesus was praying that we would be unified in purpose. Our purpose. We have two purposes as a church. One of them is to edify and to build up the saints. The other one, and the reason we edify and build up believers, is because our main purpose is to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. See, here's the issue that I see in the church. We can get some unity around the idea that our object is to build up each other. Or anything we want, we need to spend money or do that's going to benefit us. I'm in favor. All in favor say aye. Everybody votes for aye. It's going to benefit me, going to benefit us. I'm all for it. But the only reason we're edifying and building up the saints 
is so that we can fulfill our purpose of going into the highways and the hedges and bringing people to Jesus Christ. That's, that's our, that, that should be our, you know, that should be how we measure everything we do, whoever we are in the church. See, we may not, we won't ever get unity around music style. There's churches this morning that when you walked in the door, they handed you uh, earplugs because they were going to play their music so loud. I read about one, I won't call its name, uh, and I won't even say where it was. It wasn't in this county. Uh, they're meeting in a school, and you know how typically far schools are off the road. Well, the neighbors is complaining about the volume of the music at their house. You know, that's, that's loud. Larry told me about going to one, one time. First thing he did was pull his hearing aids out when he got there. He said he didn't even take them. Yeah, listen. More power to them. Yeah, more power to them. If that's the way they want to play their music, if that's the music they like, great. I, you know, that's fine. As long as they're doing it to reach people for Jesus Christ. You sing an old hymns. That's great. As long as you're doing it to reach people for Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is talking about here in unity. He's not, he's not telling us we all got to like the music they're playing at every church. We don't all have to agree with the way they dress or where they meet or when they meet, but we all ought to be working towards taking people to know Jesus. That should be our, that should be our primary goal. We're building each other. We're edifying the saints in unity so that we can reach people for Jesus Christ. Listen, you see it in this next verse. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. There it is. Jesus prays this prayer for one reason. He tells us not only his desire, but, but he tells us our duty. It is our duty that we reach others. He says, I want them to have unity so that others will know that you sent me. Uh, I have... Uh, that I have given them the glory you have given me, uh, that they might come on, uh, become one as we are one. I'm in them, you're in me. Look what he says in verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, so that the will, they will see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. He says, I want them, the, the duty of the church is to, to, to have communion together. I want them to be together like you and I are together. Why? So that the world will believe you sent me. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. One of the greatest hindrances to sharing the gospel to many people coming to know Jesus Christ is the fact that the church has no unity. The church has no unity. They can go to their local pub, they can go to their local beer joint, they can go to their country club and have more unity than most churches. I, again, I thank God we don't have that issue here that I know of. And if, we, if you think we do, tell me, we'll, let's get busy fixing it. Thank God for that. This, this, like I said last week, this is one of them vaccines. Hadn't been approved by the government yet, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Yeah, it's probably as reliable as some other vaccines. 
Listen, we need to have, he says, I want the world to see that, that you are, that we are one, that they are one with us, so that they will know you sent me. You realize what Jesus says? Jesus says our lack of unity, our lack of community is keeping people from believing in him. That's a sobering thought. It's not our music style. It's not our Bible version. It's not our preaching style. It's not what we wear. It's not. It is whether or not we have unity. He says it's keeping people from believing in me. Wouldn't it be terrible one day to stand before God and to have Him say, you know, if you and your neighbors could have got along, more people would have come to know me. If you could have got along with those people in your church, if y'all would have been unified, you'd have had unity, more people would have come to know Christ. Look what he says in verse 25. Again, he says, I want them. Again, he just keeps on and on. The world has not known you. I've known you. And they have known that you sent me. Listen, he just over and over keeps driving home the connection between unity, between unity and knowing the Father. In knowing Christ. He just keeps on and on driving that home. He keeps on and on pushing that thought and continues to bring that home. Look in verse 26. He said, I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Finally, you see the distinction. See what he says? Christ prays again for the unity of the church, that we would be distinct, that we would be different, that we would be a different group of people, that we would stand out, that people would see the church of Jesus Christ and say, there's something unique about those people. I made your name known to them and they, so that, 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 they, uh, that the love you showed me with may be in them. He says, I, I want them to be distinct from the world. I want them to demonstrate the love that I have for you. I want them to demonstrate that love. I want them to be different. I want them to be unique. I want them to stand out in the crowd. You know, it's an interesting prayer. That Again, if you read it, there's a, you can really only say there is one thing in this prayer. Jesus prays that we would be unified in our purpose. That we would have a burden to show the world the love of Jesus Christ. You know, that's a question for the church to ask themselves today. For each one of us to ask ourselves, 
is when others watch my life, when others see me in action, do they see the love of Jesus? When they see our church, do they see the love of Jesus? We have a lot of activities in the church in 2020. All kinds of programs. What is our purpose? What is our reason? Here's the question for us today. We see what Jesus prayed for us. Now are we living a life? Are we living trying to fulfill that prayer? Are we trying to be what Jesus prayed for us to be? He prayed for us to be one. He prayed for us to be unified. He prayed for us to worship together, commune together, fellowship together for the purpose of seeing people come to know Jesus. What is our purpose? I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning as our musicians come. I don't know if you have any idea how overwhelming it is, the task of trying to preach literally some of the last words of Jesus Christ. My prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit will take my words and twist them and bend them and use them for His purpose. That each of us would be challenged, would be comforted by the thought that in His last hours, He prayed for us. That we would be convicted that as He looked through time, of all the things He said, I'm looking through time and I'm getting ready to leave and I need to pray for my church. I need to pray for my people. Of all the things he could pray for, he didn't pray that we wouldn't be persecuted. He didn't pray that we wouldn't be arrested. He prayed that we would have you. Think of all the things he could have prayed for for the church. He didn't pray that we'd have plenty of money to pour everything we needed. He didn't pray that we'd have big buildings. He didn't pray that we'd even win lots of people to him. He prayed that we would have unity because he knew that when there was unity, all those other things would happen. That with that unity, we'd see people come to know Christ. We'd see great things done in His name. I want to invite you, I want to encourage you, I want to plead with you this morning. Where you are, if you want to come forward, you want to kneel where you are, that you'd pray for the unity of the church. Not just our church. Certainly pray for that. But pray for unity of the believers.
regardless of denomination, that those who believe in the Word of God and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would come together. There's never been a, a, a more desperate time, I don't believe, in the history of our nation for the church to unite, for the common cause, for the purpose of bringing people to know Jesus. We live in desperate, to use the old word, perilous times that demand a unified church for the purpose of bringing people to Christ. Can you pray that prayer this morning? You hear today the only Christ. He was only hours from dying for you. He was only hours from the cross and was praying for you. You don't know him personally as your Savior. You've never asked him into your heart. You may have been in church, you may be a good person. You may not drink, smoke, cuss, lie, do drugs. The reality is you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Young girl, if the old song says that he was on the cross, you were on his mind. He died for you. Did you come this morning?